0: I'm your host, Nick Dyson, the Scientific Director at the Mass General Cancer Center. This is episode 46, and we're back again with Ethel Pereira and Tim Padera to hear about their study that they have just recently published in Science. And often at the start of the podcast, I try and summarize the overall take-home message of the paper, but I thought that, Ethel, you might do a much better job than I Mm. would do. So what do you see as the big take-home message?
1: So this paper was asking a very fundamental question in lymph node metastasis and solid tumor biology is really what is the role of cancer cells once they get to the lymph node. Um, And we use multiple mouse models to ask this question. With spontaneous lymphatic metastasis, we show that cancer cells, once they get from the primary tumor to the lymph node, they um, invade blood vessels, and they can actually exit the lymph node to see distant uh, metastasis.
0: So with that then as a starting point for you the rest of your future uh, life, what do you think are the most important questions you want to ask next in following this up?
1: I think the next important question to ask is how does this happen? Um, what are the signaling uh, mechanisms involved? Um, and if we can identify potential mediators that facilitate this process um, and how can we block it? You know, how can we inhibit cancer cells from moving out of the lymph node to uh, see distant organs?
0: And when you say the process involved, are you thinking here of the attraction to the blood vessels of the, the pathways that are directing Movement.
1: That's correct. So once cancer cells get into the lymph node through the afferent lymphatic vessels they start proliferating the subcapsular sinus and start invading down our hypothesis is that these cancer cells actually move along conduits which are structures in the lymph node and that these can then deliver the cancer cells to blood vessels so understanding this uh, signaling um or yeah. uh, the biology behind um what attracts these cancer cells and the active signaling process we could block these um, signals. Yes.
0: And do you think of this as a property that circulating tumor cells have when they enter the lymph node? Or do you think that this is a communication between the tumor cell and the blood vessel that is evolving as the conversation happens?
1: I think that this is an evolving process, and I think we've done some RNA sequencing to show that the transcriptome of cancer cells in the lymph node is different from the primary tumor. We have to do further studies to actually understand the transcriptomic differences in the lymph node to distant metastasis and to the circulating tumor cells to actually understand this process and how cancer cells evolve when they get into a new tumor microenvironment.
0: I I could imagine that you'd want to do single-cell sequencing at this point of cells at known distances from the blood vessel.
1: That's correct, yeah. So we are planning to do uh, single-cell sequences in cancer cells that are more invasive or attracted towards blood vessels and probably micro dissect uh, endothelial cells of blood vessels and to understand you know what signaling cues are being um, exhibited on these uh, endothelial cells that attract cancer cells towards them.
0: Yes and another question really relates to the complexity of the uh, cell behavior whether all tumor cells are going to um, start the same conversation with the blood vessels or whether they communicate in different ways. You could imagine that it would be different signaling pathways in different cell systems depending on what the tumor cell is and depending on what the blood vessel is. So I guess potentially this could get very complicated as you test other tumor cell types and uh, is that something that you plan to build into your future plans?
1: Yes, that's uh, that's correct. You know, not all cancer cells that get into the lymph node are going to be invasive and get out because we've seen that, that not all of them do. It's only a small fraction that actually gets out into the blood vessel. So how do we actually distinguish and differentiate those that are yes. invasive versus non-invasive? I think with the advances in single cell technology and, you know, our, our ability to actually micro dissect cancer cells that are different locations will yes. give us some clues to understanding this biology.
0: Right, and uh, there's a tendency to think that we, there's a universal anatomy and we all have the same anatomy but I imagine that different people would have different uh, abilities to respond to these type of signals so that some people would be very permissive for this communication with blood vessels and others not. so.
1: Absolutely, so if we understand the biology we could actually uh, verify and confirm this in human patients and then that would allow us to potentially stratify patients, those who are node positive and have signals that we would think it would be important for um, facilitating these cancer cells to form distant metastases, we could then sort of categorize patients based on their molecular gene signatures.
0: Yes, yes. Um, in the paper, you uh, mentioned a little bit about some of the limitations of the Dendro2 system. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about that and the other systems that you're thinking of applying to improve on this?
1: Yes. So although the photoconvertible system that we use in the paper was a very powerful tool to help us answer the question that we were asking, it has some limitations and caveats. So one of the big uh, limitation was that the photoconversion was a very transient system because once we photoconverted the cancer cells from green to red, it lasted for only about five or six days. Mm -hmm. Um, And once a photoconverted cell starts dividing, it loses its red fluorescence and the daughter cells become green. And so to overcome this and to do long-term tracing or uh, of further single-cell sequencing and circulating tumor cells or lung lesions that have derived from the lymph node, uh, we need a longer period of time where these photoconverted cells can be more permanent. And so to do that, I'm actually, um, right now, uh, engineering cancer cells to express a light-inducible Cre photoconversion system, which would be permanent. And so once you convert a cancer cell, its daughter cells would also uh, maintain and retain the photoconverted color.
0: That, that sounds really important and that sounds like that would open up so much possibilities for... About uh, understanding the long-term metastatic potential of the uh, the bleached cells. That's
1: absolutely correct.
0: Yeah, and so what happens next for you? Uh, you must you you've been in Tim's lab for quite a long time. What, what are your plans?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm right now uh, applying for positions um, and interviewing to um, actually. I want to transition to starting my own lab and being an independent biologist. And so um, I look forward to uh, continuing the work that uh, I have done in this paper and ask um, clinically relevant questions in my own independent lab.
0: Well, it's a wonderful piece of work and congratulations and good luck with your job search.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: I had uh, one more thing that I wanted to lead you towards, because uh, I, n- I feel like it's uh, really important for the paper. In the title of the paper, you very explicitly say this is in mice. Okay. And, um, but the reason for doing the experiment at the beginning is because of the relevance to the uh, disease in humans. And so I'm, I'm interested in how you feel about extrapolating from these data to patients. And what you think would need to be done for you to be more comfortable about making that extrapolation?
2: Yeah, so so at this point, not at all comfortable extrapolating <laughs> to patients. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's simply, so like I said, what I think we've shown is that it is possible that lymph node metastasis can spread further in the body. Now, whether that process happens in humans, we have some data in our paper showing that you can see invasion of lymph node blood vessels and some human samples. Does that contribute to their ultimate prognosis and outcome? We don't know. We we don't have data to suggest it either way. So I don't want to extrapolate our mouse data to that. I think what our paper is doing is getting people thinking about that problem more specifically and not sort of minimizing it or, 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 you know, having it not play a a role in any sort of clinical decision-making. So what we need to do to actually get to that point is really start to understand the sort of underlying fundamental biology Mm -hmm. of how these cancer cells are leaving the lymph node, what's driving them to lead, um, which... Um, Again, as sort of alluded to, is it a metabolic drive? Is it just trying to find a blood vessel to get to oxygen? Is it more driven by signals from the immune system? Immune cells traffic to and from lymph nodes. That's what is supposed to happen. And so is the cancer co-opting those signaling mechanisms to arrive at a lymph node and then also then exit the lymph node? Um, If we understand those things... It gives us the ability to potentially intervene Mm -hmm. if we, you know, there might be drugs that are already being developed for some of these processes that we could try, um, or also then try and identify similar signaling pathways in patient material that would suggest that this is happening in 0% or 100% in different type of cancer. And I'm expecting it to be somewhere... In between, I think this process is probably happening in patients, mm-hmm. but I couldn't tell you which ones right. um, and or how many. Um, and I think, you know, the reason that we wanted this to be very clear that this is a mouse study. This is just the beginning of really understanding this process.
0: Yes. yes. To read Ethel and Tim's article at Advances at the Mass General Cancer Center, go to massgeneral.org/cancer/advances.